Welcome to Allison's Wonderland. I'm your host, Allison Packard. Join us as we journey through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Hey, do a girl a favor and please subscribe to this podcast and go on iTunes and leave us a good review. If you like the show, please help spread the word. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Allison's Wonderland. So from animation voice actress to anime voice director, Caitlin Glass has done it all. We are here today with this lovely voice actress to chat all about it. Thanks for coming back. This is Allison's Wonderland. Hey, Caitlin. Hi, Allison. How's it going? It's going so good. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. All the way from Texas. All the way from Texas. Sunny California. Beautiful, sunny Los Angeles, California. Yes. Thanks for stopping by. It's always so nice. You know, to we've worked together before yeah. and now we're like in the flesh and blood. I know. It's nice to meet you in person. Yay. Mm-hmm. So I know that you just finished up another interview yeah. for Fruits Basket. <laughs> about Fruits Basket, yeah. Prelude, can you tell us about the new movie that's coming out? Sure. So the movie came out June, end of June, June 25th yeah. through 29th. It ran in sub and dub. And so I directed the series from 2019 to, gosh, when did we wrap on that? It's all a blur, right? <laughs> starting with season two. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, starting with season one oh, okay. in 2019. So seasons one, two, and three, they Ran, it ran for three three years. Not fully, but mm-hmm. anyway, it's 60 some odd episodes, but there's a little piece of the story that was left out of the show. Dun, 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 dun. And the fans desperately wanted to see it because it's in the manga. So they all knew this part oh. of the story. We're expecting to see it during the run of the anime. And when uh. it wasn't there, they're like, where's this? But what about what about Katsuya and Kyoko? <laughs> and we're like, just calm down, just calm down, you guys. So I had a feeling that they, being uh, the Japanese producers, were going to do something. I didn't know what it w- would be. Would it be another special anime, like a short-run miniseries? Would it be a film? And it was. It was indeed a film. So See, you fans do make a difference. Yeah. And thank you for being a part of it. Ah, yes. Yes. So the main heroine, of course, of Fruits Basket is Toru Honda, but Fruits Basket Prelude is about her mother, Kyoko, and you play Kyoko's mother. <laughs> so it was wonderful to have you. Thank you. I, flashback. Not I didn't have, do my granny voice. No, that. no. In flashback. Very, yes. Thank you. Yeah. For sure. oh, yes. No. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of buzz around the movie. It seems yes. like people were really excited about it. Very excited. Lots of positive feedback. Folks love the Fruits Basket story. And it was wonderful to put kind of like a cherry on top to mm-hmm. the whole experience of Fruits Basket. And as a director, have you ever appeared in the, the series? Yes. I was also mm-hmm. in the series of Fruits Basket. Mm-hmm. I play a character named Machi who is kind of the love interest of one of the other male leads. And when I was reading the story, she was the one that stood out to me a lot. I really loved their story. And before I was a director of Fruits Basket, I was just an anime fan like all of you at home. (laughs) And I had watched the original Fruits Basket back in the early 2000s. And the character of Yuki was was my favorite. I loved him the most. So of course, the one that I play in the show is Yuki's love interest. I kind of, I gave myself that. You earned it. For all of my hard work on the show. Like, you know what? I want that part. It had to be approved by the producers, though. I wasn't just uh-huh. giving you myself just, whatever. They said yes, Caitlin right. says yes, and Caitlin says yes, and, <laughs> and um, Caitlin says yes. <laughs> so, I wish it worked that way. <laughs> I wish, right? Hey, on this show, it does. Allison says yes. Says yes. <laughs> it's your show. Your name is in the title. <laughs> yeah, I did pay for it, though. <laughs> there you go. I guess it's that. So I, I did get to be Executive in the, in producer. The show. Mm, and director of Allison. 
Allison. Check. <laughs> Set designer, Allison. <laughs> Mike, actually. Mike Del Rey did this. Oh, wonderful. Craft services, Allison. Allison. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. That's some tasty, ah, tasty water. Champagne, huh? <laughs> I thought about bringing a bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> so yeah, so back to Fruits Basket. What else can I say about it? That it's wonderful. It's extremely emotional show, but I think that's great. People are looking for something to escape into and for something to give them some catharsis. And it was, it really came along at just the right time because of the pandemic. I mean, Fruits Basket happened first. And then the pandemic happened and we were all kind of stuck at home Mm -hmm. needing a place to express our emotions. And I was grateful for the opportunity to give that uh, to fans when when they needed it. Yeah. Amazing. Now, your story, can you start even at the very beginning, the beginning of your acting career? Sure. So I have a degree in theater from the University of Texas at Arlington, which is in Dallas, Fort Worth. And that is where Funimation, now Crunchyroll, but then Funimation was based. So I was a fan of anime. And while I was still in college, I ended up with a tour of Funimation Studios because a friend of mine was an engineer there. And on the tour, I met a director, Eric Vale, who's also an actor, who also plays Yuki and Fruits Basket. Oh my God. Oh my the connection goes deep. I know. He, you know, was directing and I come into his particular studio. Nobody was in the booth at the time. And when he heard that I was an actor, he's like, uh, hey, get in the booth. And I just thought that this was part of the tour. You know, no one's in the booth right now. So they're going to let you get in there and like put on the headphones and hear everything. I'm like, okay, neat. And he said, go to this page. We're going to play this Japanese first. And then you'll hear these beeps and then say this line. I'm like, okay. So I did that maybe once or twice. When I came out, he goes, great. Please give your name and number to Tara down the hall and you can work here. Oh my <laughs> So Tara's the head of casting. She's our talent coordinator. Talent coordinator. Okay. Yeah. Something that's interesting about Funimation, uh, now Crunchyroll, is that they don't have a casting director. Directors get to ADR directors do all of the casting. Wow. Sometimes there is input from the Japanese clients when they would like to give approval. And, but otherwise, it's directors who hold the auditions and uh, cast who they'd like to work with. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. Because yeah. then you're hands-on and you're creating, really yeah. have uh, full ownership. And it's wonderful also because with anime, the story is already set. Everything about it creatively, Mm. essentially, has been decided before it comes to us, what the characters are going to look like, how they're going to sound in Japanese. Mm -hmm. So the greatest creative freedom that we have as directors is choosing the ensemble. Now, how often do you try to really get close to the the Japanese? Yeah, we just call it the J. J. Um, (laughs) In terms of sound alike. Quite often, I I use it as a template Mm. and I will listen and determine what vocal archetype they're trying to achieve with that sound because I think that's more important. That's what's going to resonate with us as a Western audience Mm. because we're not just putting it in English. We should be localizing it for our culture. Mm -hmm. So certain sounds speak to us in a different way as English speakers. So I listen to the full ensemble if possible. You know, if I have the entire anime I will listen to it all and see where each character just kind of sits as if they're instruments in a symphony, for example. Mm -hmm. So any given instrument can play a number of of pitches and a bunch of different keys, but they have a particular sound that they're supposed to represent. So that's what I'm listening for. It isn't so much like, okay, you're going to play this particular girl and in Japanese, her voice sits up here. So Mm -hmm. I need yours to sit there too. No, if you're playing, I need you to play a a sound that's appropriate to this Mm 13-year-old or the 17-year-old that's going to resonate the most with a Western audience, that they can recognize themselves or their friends or someone they know in that character. Because the stories we tell in anime are already so 
fantastic most of the time. I mean, my favorite stories, honestly, are the slice of life ones that don't have <laughs> magic and fantasy and uh-huh. sci-fi. But majority of the time, as you know, anime stories are big. They have deal with big emotions, big, crazy stuff is happening. So I like the voices to be as close to real life as possible because you can only suspend your disbelief so far. I really want the audience to be able to be lost in it. And I feel like if it sounds like something that could be real, then they will. Uh-huh. Wow. That's just uh, my philosophy, I guess. So how long were you acting in anime before you became a director? Not long. Less than two years. Oh, wow. Less than two years. I took an interest in directing because I just liked being around the studio so much. And as you know, you, you audition and then you can only work when they cast you. <laughs> I was fortunate that after about six months of just doing bits and walla, I landed a pretty big part in a show called Spiral mid-2004. And by the end of 2004, I was working on Full Metal alchemist. And then all of that took off and I started to steadily be around the studio more. But I, having come from a theater background and going through university doing theater, you see all the same people. They become like your family. You spend day in, day out with them. You mean, wait, at, so you're at, saying at Funimation, at, not at, they were also at your theater No, school. no, no. I'm sorry. I'm kind of <laughs> jumping around a lot. It's like a family. In, yeah. In the theater environment, they're like your family, especially yeah. collegiate theater. And then when you graduate, you're not at school every day. You're not seeing all those same people every day. So I was desperate for like the replacement family. And I was finding it little by little at Funimation. I went, how can I be here more, but actually, you know, serve them, not just be somebody who's like, hi, <laughs> would you cast me, please? Hello. Um, I'm just going to hang out in the break Yeah, I'm, d- I'm done with my session. I'm just going to eat these Pop-Tarts. No, um, <laughs> they used to have lots of free Pop-Tarts. We don't anymore. We have other free snacks, but did not Pop-Tarts. Did the pandemic do away with the Pop-Tarts? No, no, we got to, what did do away with the Pop-Tarts? I don't know, but we still have plenty of free snacks. <laughs> we grew up, Caitlin. We grew, <laughs> we grew no, out of the Pop-Tarts. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how I wandered over to this, but I was looking, like I said, for a way to contribute and just be there mm-hmm. more because I liked it. And I wanted to, of course, pay my bills and use my mm-hmm. degree to do that. So I just asked one day, like, what? would it take to direct? What do I have to do? It's not like there's a class in, in anime ADR directing, just like there isn't one in college yet. On, on anime. <laughs> yeah, yet. So Justin Cook, one of our producers says, um, yeah, you could do it. That's what he said. <laughs> you could do it. Just come here and train on your own. So it was up to me. Like you said, I can't just hang around. I'll just be in the break room. Instead, I was in studios, like sitting with directors and learning Amazing. from them, just absorbing. And eventually, as directors were sick or going to conventions or just needed a vacation, mm-hmm. but the show still had to get done, I would pick up their work. And by late 2005, I started getting my own contracts to direct things. And wow, that was had, quick. Yeah. And I had my didn't have my own show until mm-hmm. 2007. But still, I, I worked steadily at directing and acting for all of 2006. And 2007, I got my first show. Wow. Yeah, yeah I hear that Funimation is definitely like a family and <laughs> some uh, that Linda Young is actually the mother of John Bergmeier, Bergmeier uh-huh. and Laura Bailey and Travis Wilhelm. Mm-hmm. And- Met there. there. (laughs) So that's so amazing. Did you happen to meet your husband at I did not. We met through college. We went to the same school for theater, but at a different time. Uh So he graduated before me, and then we ended up in a play outside of school there. And that's that's how we met. It was meant to be. It was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. So then what percentage of your time, how do you split your time now between? The majority of my time is as a full-time director Mm -hmm. for Crunchyroll. Wow. So I am directing anime dubs. 40 hours a week. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. We have that many shows. We have 10 or 11 directors working all day on staff. And then we have contractors and assistants working at night. So I'm currently directing two series right now. And every, every season, every anime season, which is three months, 
I'll get two new ones. The shows that you're working on, can you talk about them? I can. I can. I'm working on a show called Talked Opus Destiny, which is a really cool show that I adore. It's kind of like a magical girl sort of anime. You have me at magical girl. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But these magical girls are like the embodiment of very important pieces of classical music and opera. And they fight alongside a a male counterpart who's the conductor. And he'll kind of conduct them. And they have these really like badass weapons and the score, the soundtrack of the show is just remarkable because it's Beethoven and Wagner and Mahler and really great stuff for classical music nerds to get into. So (laughs) yeah, it's beautiful. I I love it. The show is from sometime late 2021, but we held off on dubbing it. And I'm glad that I'm so glad I got to work on it. Because when it came out and it wasn't getting dubbed, I was heartbroken because I had Uh my eye on it. Uh And then a few seasons later, they're like, we're dubbing it. I'm like, thank God, please give it to me. (laughs) So yeah, that's what I've been working on. I can mention that one. The other one I cannot mention. Uh, We'll have to have you back for the secret. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I heard you grew up watching Toonami and watching Sailor Moon with your mom. Mm -hmm. Tell us all about that. (laughs) I had friends in... Once again, theater, there's always a theater tie-in who were big into Sailor Moon. And I'm like, what is that? And they t- kind of told me and they were showing pictures from like the, the early days of the internet where it was just like scans from art books of the gorgeous oh art. I'm like, wow, that is so pretty. They're like, it's this cartoon. You can watch it. That's when Toonami used to be on in the afternoons. Uh-huh. So after uh, school. Uh-huh. So yeah. my mom would either record it or maybe I would be home and we would watch it together. And that was pretty fun. In college, it's interesting. So I go to college for theater, but I kind of fell away from watching anime, it was only a a burgeoning hobby at the time anyhow. But as I was getting to the end of my college years, I was feeling really burnt out because when you go to study the thing that you love, it no longer becomes a hobby. It's like your whole life, it's all encompassing and you kind of feel the need to get away from it. So I'm like, I need to do something else. What can I I need a hobby? Oh, wait, that anime thing. I was starting to get into that. So kind of picked it up again and would watch whatever I could. And I think one of the first things I saved up my pennies to buy was a box set of Sailor Moon that ADV put out a long time ago is these huge bricks of like eight discs a piece. And they were oh my gosh. remarkably expensive. And it was Japanese only because there were things that had, were cut out of the American broadcast. So but with subs. Subtitles. Yes. Yes. With subtitles. Okay. And they were very expensive. You just that was like, with your translator. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> what are they saying? And a lot of it was episodes I'd already seen, but in English. So this oh. was one of my first experiences. Like I'm going to watch this subtitled because I really want to see it. But yeah, it was the kind where anytime I had change, I would throw it in the dish. And then every week I was counting it up to be like, okay, how much? I don't have enough yet. Yeah. (laughs) What's amazing is I was able to take those box sets in 2008 to a convention called Animazement in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. And Kotono Mitsuishi-san, who is the voice of Sailor Moon, uh, was a guest. And I got to meet her and have her sign them, as well as an an animator and a producer and other other voice actors in in the series. Yeah. Wow. What was that experience like? Oh, my gosh. She was spectacular. She's a really lovely woman. We had a lot of fun just hanging out. It's a great convention if you ever get a chance Mm -hmm to go. The majority of their staff are Japanese speakers and will really facilitate you communicating with the Japanese guests. So often at conventions, you're very separate there, uh-huh. you know, because they assume the fandom is only interested in either you or them and never both. Mm-hmm. But at Animazement, we would do panels together and talk about our shared experiences with the shows. Even if we weren't on the same shows, it's all acting. It was wonderful. We took, uh, we'd share all your meals together. She was a really wonderful lady. It was her daughter's birthday that weekend. And she brought her husband and daughter along and they threw a little uh-huh. Disney princess birthday party for her daughter. She was turning six or eight in the green room. So I got to go to that. And I had a moment like, <laughs> what, 
what is my life right now? Where, where am I? I'm at Sailor Moon's daughter's Disney princess birthday party. Okay. 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 What did you cool. I don't know, whatever I was wearing for the convention. And then I had to get ready for a panel I was about to do, which was about origami. Cause that was an older hobby of mine. So oh, I wow. wanted to just share, I'm not great at it, but I could, you know, just introduce it to people and be like, here's something you might like if you like Japanese culture. So I sit down at the table to quickly fold some models that I need for the panel and Mitsuishi san sees me and she goes, oh, origami. Oh, and then she runs off. I'm like, where is she going? She comes back with her own paper that she happened to have. And she sits down next to me and she she folds a little ninja star and she gave it to me and I still have it. It's oh one of my, my most prized possessions. It is in a case that I have of, <laughs> of like anime figures of my characters and then this little oh, ninja star. Yeah. Wow. What a special weekend. It is a special weekend. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, this is Allison Packard. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that if you like the show, please, please, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. So growing up, Toonami, you're a big fan. Yeah. And the voice of Tom, you later ended up working with. Is that right? The original Tom was Sunny Strait. <laughs> Great friend of mine. And then, of course, everyone knows Steve Bloom who's Tom now. So yeah. did you know, did you know Sonny at the time though? Or was it years later? Did How did you? Sonny. I'm sure I met him around the building and he was a director mm -hmm. as well. So he directed me on some of the early projects that I worked on at Funimation. And now of course we are friends and I directed him in one piece. It was one of the first things, first contracts that I had as a director was some episodes of that. Wow. And he plays Usopp. So of course that was a wonderful experience. Ironically, Steve Bloom, the other voice of mm -hmm. Tom, I met him at my very first convention, which was in Dallas. And I wasn't a guest. I was like, let me go to this con and just see what cons are all about. Yeah. And a couple of my my friends yeah. were. And that was, I got uh, called out from the audience because someone on stage was like, and Caitlin's here and she's the voice of Winry in Full Metal Alchemist, which hadn't even aired yet in English. But suddenly every, the whole room goes <gasps> and turns around and looks at me. I'm like, what did I do? The oh, rise. No. <laughs> That's kind of how I knew. I'm like, this is maybe a pretty big deal. And so then the convention is like, just go sit on any panels that you want. It's fine. It's whatever. Hang <laughs> out. We'll feed you. I'm like, all right. I like free food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fresh out of college. I'll let you give me food. <laughs> I went through I'm the still whole, like that. Yeah, I went through the whole weekend <laughs> and I had a, a friend kind of tag along with me who is now a voice actor and a fellow director at Crunchyroll named Anthony Bowling. And he's like, so how was your first weekend? It's been really cool. Thanks for letting me tag along with you. I'm like, it's been awesome. But you know who I haven't got to meet all weekend is Steve Bloom. I'm so bummed. It was the last panel, last autograph signing of the day. There was one empty seat next to me. And as soon as I said that, I turn and Steve plops down right next no to me. And I was way. like, ah! <gasps> try not to act like a starstruck idiot. But that's that's how I first met Steve. And oh he's lovely. God. And we still talk. We're still friends. Thanks, that's Steve. Amazing. I heard you. Yeah, I haven't had the chance to see Steve in years there. But we just had a game come out, Neon White. Congrats. Yeah, so very exciting. Neat. Yeah, he used to live right up the street, actually. Oh, man. But there but now he's off being, yeah. being an islander. Yeah, amazing. Living the life we all want. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. But we can, we'll get there someday, you know, if we, I have faith. If we so choose. <laughs> so have you watched the new Sailor Moon? I have not had the opportunity mm. to watch it. I've seen clips of it. 
but I haven't watched the whole show. My life now, because I direct all day, sometimes it's hard to watch anime for fun anymore. And sometimes I just don't want to watch anything else because I've spent all day looking at a screen watching things. (laughs) What are some of the biggest challenges being an anime director? Mm, Some of the biggest challenges. Wow. Thank you for asking. (laughs) I suddenly have to to think about that. (laughs) It's a bit of a time juggle, really. You really have to be incredibly organized with your thoughts because the actors are coming in and they're relying wholeheartedly on you to explain to them what to do. Nowadays, because of the simuldub situation, sometimes the episode you might be working on has aired already in Japanese. Mm -hmm. So you can come in having watched it, but you're not required to do that, nor Mm -hmm. are you paid to. And a busy Mm -hmm. working actor may not have time to. Mm -hmm. So it's really up to you, the director, to know absolutely everything Mm -hmm. that you need. And you kind of have to compartmentalize it apart from the other show that you're working on that's completely different. And then like (laughs) the episode that came before this or comes after this, because you could be at any stage of pre or post-production on that given episode. So just keeping all of your thoughts straight Mm -hmm. is pretty important. And being able to just manage all of the different people and personal personalities that are going to come through your your door at any given time because they could be in a different headspace than where you need them to be. So as a director, you're often playing psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist, whatever you want to call it. And and I don't begrudge that at all. Mm. I'm an actor too. And I know what that's like to have a whole life experience. And then you have to step into a booth and be somebody else. And sometimes it takes you a minute to navigate to that place. So I'm there to help them get there. You do it so well, too. I mean, you bring such an art to it. I think when directors are also actors, they know how to talk to actors in a way that can make you have the emotional reaction Mm -hmm. that will bring about that required technical change. And it's just one less step on the actor to then be like, okay, you want me to pick up the pace? Let me think, okay, how can I make this more urgent? Why would I do that? Yeah, exactly. Yes, I can give you some motivation for the thing that I'm looking for. Exactly. And that's amazing. I mean, that you found your way to all of that. I think. I understand the actor's insecurities. I think that's a part of us as actors. We always, I know it's bad to be a people pleaser as a human, but I think as an actor, it, we are trying to please so many people because on purpose, it's, it's part of like, there's a certain thing you have to do to make this character come to life. And if you, you want to work again, you, yeah, <laughs> you director are going to tell me that I've done the thing. Mm-hmm. So you, you perform your line and then you're kind of waiting to know, did I do it right? Mm-hmm. I hate that about it, but it's kind of the truth mm-hmm. because I've been in their shoes, I know that that's what's in their head. So I'm always thinking about how to reassure my actors, how to make them aware that they're in a very safe space all the time. When they do something that I like, I'm always giving positive feedback. And sometimes it it's helpful to remind an actor that we are in this together. Mm. Like you're not alone in the booth. You want to sound good. I want you to sound good. You want the show to be great. So do I. So does our engineer. We're going to do this uh, together. So sometimes I can give, like you just mentioned, the more creative note to kind of guide you to this thing. But other times I can be like, oh man, Allison, here's my desired end. Here's what I need. Can you help me get there? Like, I don't know you well enough to tell you what to do with your instrument. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite things is to tell the actor what I want to elicit from the audience. Mm -hmm. Like, here's what I want the audience to feel when they hear you say this. And then you may go, I know exactly how to do that. Yeah. And then that's one of my favorite notes because I like to just see where does it take the actor? What are they going to give me? And maybe it works and maybe it doesn't, but it is fun to explore that way. Yeah. So long as we all know, like, yes, you're in there doing a, an amazing creative work and I hope that you can be fully immersed in it. And I hope you're not too caught up in the technicalities of it. Let me worry about that. But it's cool to remember we are making a thing together and your input matters. And so I often like to 
remind them like, how do we do this? How do you think we should do this? Or if a script gives multiple options for a line because mm. the the writer just, you know, thought of different ways to say it, I'll ask the actor, like, does any of these alts resonate with you more mm. than the others? Because I don't really have a preference. What do you like? for your character. And they'll go, I like the second one. Let's do the second one. (laughs) Stuff like that. It's way more fun to be collaborative. I know. It's nice at the end. We can all have something we can be proud of together. Yeah. What do you wish more actors knew about auditioning for anime? Oh, wow. That's a really cool question. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. That it requires a lot of acting Mm. skill. So much. It's voice actors are actors. And I'm sure everyone you've had on your show has mentioned that (laughs) at some point. (laughs) But to the point I was talking about earlier about how fantastical anime can be, people may come into it, even actors who are trained in a lot of other areas, expecting it to be extremely cartoony. Mm. And I find that most anime is actually not. Mm -hmm. So a grounded performance, at least if you're auditioning for me, is much more appreciated. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, anymore, we don't get to audition in person. It used to be out at Funimation and and Crunchyroll, we'd we'd have in-person audition slots. The advantage to just sending in submissions is we can hear a lot more people that way. Mm -hmm. But you don't get the immediate feedback from a director who would like to hear you. I miss those days. Do it differently. So that means you need to be showing me everything that you can do with the piece of copy that you've got. Mm -hmm. So often I hear someone and then they're first line to have a really amazing voice like oh wow what a cool voice I like this but then they kind of do the same thing for all five lines that are there and most of the time directors also make their own sides and they've chosen the lines they've chosen for a reason they want to hear you work with them Mm. they even give you notes on the in the far right hand column for some context what's going on here so we want to be able to hear the moment before we want to hear you taking risks even if maybe it's for a show and you've seen it you had the opportunity Mm -hmm. to watch the first episode and you recognize these lines and you're like, I don't know, but this isn't I w- just do something to show your range within the lines that you're given, because we could hear you do something cool. But I need to know that you're going to be able to do that emotional breakdown or that you're going to be able to do that freak out mm. that you can be intimate and soft as well as really loud and crazy. So use what you've got to show what you've got. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> Love it. And so I have to ask about okay. playing Wonder Woman ah! for Six Legs. Oh my what gosh, can you tell us about so that? so random. You did a deep dive, Allison. <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> so that was one of my jobs out of college. Another that I was so grateful to have because like I said, I'm like, I'm going to use this degree, darn it. Yes. Now I- what can I do to not, I'm not begrudging anybody who went and waited tables or did whatever they had to, but I was just going to try my darndest. <laughs> to just act. And I ended up with an audition at Six Flags to be a costume character. And I didn't actually pass to to be Wonder Woman. Like DC had to approve it and everything. I showed up for the audition expecting to be like a Southern Belle because, you know, the Six Flags, they represent the Six Flags that have flown over over Texas as oh. kind of like Texas government. So it's Spain and the Confederacy and America. And yeah, that's what they stand for. So each area of the park represents these different areas. There's a Spain, there's a Mexico, there's the Old South. There's all kinds of stuff. Okay. So they were going to have face characters the same way you meet a Disney princess or something. Okay. So there was a Southern Belle character and I can't even remember the other one. So I went expecting to do that. And in the audition breakdown, it said to come clean faced and all of the stuff. So I assumed they're going to put makeup on you and wigs and all of that. They did none of those things, Allison. None of them. None of them. So of course I don't look like You're Wonder Woman clean. because look at me, like I'm extremely pale uh-huh. and they put the dark wig on me and the, the leotard. And then the park was closed and they take you around the park and have you pose places to be like, 
does she look like she could do this? Of course not. I did not go expecting to be Wonder Woman because <laughs> the specs also said you needed to be like 5'11 or taller. Naturally. To be woman. Y- yeah. Oh, wow. So I didn't pass as her and that was fine, but they still hired me. So I was there to be a Southern Belle and a saloon girl and it was cool. I just yeah. act like a character and tell people where the bathrooms are and how to get to whatever ride. It was fine. But then one day they were short on Wonder Women <laughs> and someone said, Caitlin could do it. I'm like, can I? All right. <laughs> They'd slap me in the costume and threw on some dance tights <laughs> and I, you know, darkened my eyebrows and off we went. And then I was doing that for the rest of the summer and also through the winter. So it was just maybe a six month gig. It was fun. It was very hot, <laughs> even in just a leotard, but it's a like triple layer leotard plus dance tights, plus a wig on your head. And then the sun on like my bare pale skin, <laughs> but it was so fun. Like what a wonderful character wonderful character to get to play and to see how empowering she was for women Mm. in particular was really great. And I always felt very safe being the only woman in our little Justice League crew, like the Batman and and Green Lantern, like they're in the Flash. They're always looking out for me because I'm there in a leotard. Um, (laughs) But they were all so respectful. They were all like high school kids too. Uh So except the guy who was Green Lantern, he was college age and he was a model. So I kind of felt like the mom sometimes. (laughs) And I wasn't that much older Come than on, boy. but yeah, like time to go guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Put your cowl on Batman. You know, <laughs> like, let's go. I mean, it was fun. Like we rode around the parade at the end of the night. We each had our own like ATV, that little four wheeler oh, that we cool. could ride. And then when the park was open in the winter, I got a really neat like cape. So yes, it was very fun to be Wonder Woman. I have a picture somewhere. I should, I should find it for and you. And didn't you meet Susan Eisenberg at I SCCC? Did. I did. What a <laughs> so trip. Tell about that. Okay. So a friend of mine from theater, once again, has become an author and also a a wonderful, like just moderating presence for Mm. panels and things at conventions. So she reached out to the variety of people that she knew from her experience. So me, my friend, Anthony Bowling, that I mentioned, who came with me to my first convention, we were there to talk about anime. Gary Lowenthal and Tara Platt Mm. were there. And I'd already met them also at my first convention. It's really crazy, you guys. That is also where I met Rob Paulson was on that panel. And then Susan. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Wonder Woman. Uh." (laughs) Whoa. It was very cool. And she was so surprised when I told her, I'm like, you know, I kind of this this is me. I was Wonder Woman. Uh, She's like, you look amazing. And we've stayed in touch ever since. I just saw her a couple months ago at a convention. It's always so nice when we get to to reconnect. Oh, my gosh. She's a really neat lady and so talented. And I love her Wonder Woman. Wow. (laughs) I mean, we just have talked about like literally 40 different examples of like when dreams become reality. How interconnected the whole thing is. Wow. Well, (laughs) I know that we don't have much time because you've got to head to another session. I know. It's crazy. It's great that we had a chance to connect while you were here. So Caitlin, thank thank you you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having um, me. Congratulations on Fruits Basket Prelude. Thank you. And to you as well. Thank you. (laughs) We'll see you next time, guys. Make sure to subscribe. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Okay. I mean, you're probably already subscribing now if you watch this whole thing, but um, <laughs> tune in next week and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Allison's Wonderland, where we explore the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. For more episodes of Allison's Wonderland, please visit us at www.allisonpacker.com. See you next week.